You're tuned in to Down to Earth with Associate Professor Kurt Iverson and Alex Pye. Brought to you by 42 Below. They're keeping our planet pure to keep their vodka pure. One harebrained eco-friendly scheme after another. Be on the lookout in Sydney bars for their eco-soap made from recycled cocktail lemons. Head to facebook.com slash 42below for the full story. Proud sponsor of FBI Radio. It's time for our fortnightly segment about sustainability and ways that we can generally make little tweaks to our city so that we can live a little bit more holistically and and cohesively with one another. Uh, welcome back, Professor Kurt. It's great to have you in. Alex, how are you? Very well, thank you. That's and look, good. Uh, we've curated a topic and you've managed to uh, grab us a great guest today that can talk about a topic that um, I noticed that it's come up recently. There were a couple of conversations, these politics in the pub, which aren't related to the segment at all, but people get together and have discussions about social <laughs> issues and, and politics. And we noticed that there was one on universal basic income and we thought what a great topic that might be to extend a little bit further on FBI, on our Down to Earth segment. So yeah, that's- exactly. So it's one of those topics that it sort of touches on a whole bunch of things we've talked about in this segment over the last few months, actually, you know, so we've talked about a whole bunch of technological changes that are going on in our cities and automation. And so, you know, a robot's taking all our jobs. This has been a sort of conversation that's going on in transport and a whole bunch of other areas. Um, We've talked about rising inequality in cities and, you know, uh, those kinds of issues as well. And actually, this idea of a kind of universal basic income is starting to get a bit of traction in response to those kinds of changes from a couple of different directions politically. Um, and now that we've got, you know, everybody from kind of leftists through to Mark Zuckerberg wanting us to talk about it, referendum in Switzerland about whether it should happen. Uh, seemed like a good topic for us. In, exactly. Into down to earth, saying, Kurt, we're yeah, gonna we need to talk about it. This one. Yep. So we're very lucky today. Troy Henderson's in with us here. How are you, Troy? Very well. G'day. Thanks for having me in. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So Troy's actually working on a PhD on this topic um, at the University of Sydney, uh, and yeah, would be it'll be a great person for us to actually be able to quiz about this topic where it's come from, what it means, how to work, all that sort of stuff. And starting with the very first question, which is, what is universal basic income? Okay, I think the first thing to say about it is, is, is you should think of the U as meaning two things, both universal and unconditional. Basic has some idea of meeting basic needs and income is a cash payment. So it's not a payment in kind. So that's the, the most basic description of the, the generally accepted international definition of basic income. Yeah. And so how, like, as you say, universal, basic and income, uh, how much income, uh, do you know what I mean? Like, what are the different mechanisms that people are talking about for this being not just a kind of idea, but a, a kind of something in policy that could be implemented? Do you know what I mean? Like, what are the different mechanisms for implementing something like this, I guess? Well, I think there are four very different models for UBI. Mm-hmm. So one would be a social dividend, right? So in Australia, for example, we might tax all of our beloved mining industries again. Mm-hmm. Right? And instead of putting that money into general revenue, all individuals would get, a, say, an annual dividend check, mm-hmm. right? a social dividend. That's one form of basic income. Another form of basic income would be to give everyone a stakeholder grant. So when you turn 21, for example, we could give all 21-year-olds $100,000, say, for example, yeah. to put towards you know, a house deposit, maybe inflating Australian house prices even more, <laughs> um, or starting their own business or, um, you know, putting it in the pokies, whatever. They could do whatever they want because mm-hmm. it's a, you know, a totally 
free disbursement of a lump sum payment. The more common versions that are talked about are, are like a universal pension or a universal dole. For example, the idea that, say, every Australian would unconditionally get fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a year. And there are different types of ways you could implement that, which I can talk about if you like. Yeah, well, go ahead. Okay, so the two main ways would be, one, you give everyone the payment, say uh, the fifteen grand a year, and then obviously you're taxing it straight back from rich people, like yeah. Gina Reinhart and Jamie Packer, yeah. and you're taxing them a lot more to make it a progressive redistribution of income towards those at the lower end. Another way to do it is a negative income tax, which sounds a bit complicated, but it's just a tax credit. So basically, if your income in a week, say it falls below 250 bucks a week, that's the basic income, then you say you got zero income in that week, you get a tax credit from the government of $250. And that has an advantage of having a lower fiscal cost, right? There's less churn because you're not giving a whole lot of people money who you're going to tax it straight back from. Yeah, especially when we know those people are pretty good at figuring out ways to not pay their tax exactly in all sorts of ways as well. And so, look, this is an idea, if I understand it right, Troy, that's been around for a while, right? But it, there's a bit of a revival going on. It's, as you were just saying before we were on air, that like, you look at the Google searches on this topic and they've spiked in the last little while. So what's going on? Why is this idea, do you think, sort of coming back uh, onto our you know, radar? Okay, you're right. It has been around for a long time. It goes back to Tom Paine in the 18th century in the French wow. Revolution, right. putting the first proposal for really a grant to 21-year-olds and then a universal age pension from the age of 50. Mm -hmm. Now, it's gone through all sorts of different iterations since then, uh, including periods in the UK after World War I, where it was quite big with Social Democrats, Keynesians, Fabians, etc. Then it almost got implemented by, of all people, Richard Nixon in the 1970s in the US. But the most recent upsurge of interest is exactly as you say. It's to do with Rising inequality, the Great Recession in Europe, and this Swiss referendum, which everyone knows, well, maybe everyone doesn't know, but it failed, right? Only 23% of people voted for the introduction of a UBI in Switzerland. But that was still the first ever popular campaign for a UBI. Mm -hmm. So I actually think it was incredibly significant, and you did see that huge spike of recognition. You see it in the Google searches for basic income UBI in 2016 and then we also had the introduction of a two-year finished trial in 2017. So tell me um, what model are they using in in Finland? How's it how's it working there? It's extremely limited so it is limited to just 2,000 unemployed people. It's like if we picked 2,000 unemployed people at random in Australia and gave them the, the dole unconditionally for two years. The key thing is that they get to keep the dole and any additional income they earn on top of it, right? So it was implemented by a centre-right coalition government that's not particularly stable, and it was only supported by one of those coalition partners. So it's a bit problematic. It's good in terms of raising awareness about basic income, but there's no control group. There's no group from the general population that you can compare the responses to. It's really about, will unemployed people take on more work if you give them an unconditional um, unemployment benefit? which it's, it's still a good thing, right? You don't have to interact with the bureaucracy. It's like Australians not having to interact with Centrelink. Hmm. Uh, you automatically get new start or youth allowance or whatever you're entitled to without having to fill out a whole lot of forms or justify your existence. 
What are you making of this? Kurt? Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's the big question. And I don't know whether we've got time now, whether we should have a song first and get into it. But yeah, yeah. just this question about why that referendum failed. And I guess, generally speaking, you know, a lot of people, when they hear this idea for the first time, just think that, like, how the hell would that work? Everybody getting something for nothing. That's crazy. People start so, to worry about taxes and... Yeah, yeah. So, like, how realistic, I guess, is it for us to get into something that would be more than just a couple of thousand people, but, you know, universal in that sense. This is Down to Earth with Associate Professor Kurt Iverson and Alex Pye. Brought to you by 42 Below. Keeping our planet pure to keep their vodka pure. Sponsoring FBI Radio. Where are we up to? Yeah, we sort of got up to just this question about, like, we've talked about how it would work, but is it workable, I guess, is the thing. And just this idea of, you know, a country the size of Australia or bigger being able to pay everybody something to a lot of people just, I guess, sounds kind of unrealistic or a bit utopian. So, like, is it something that we could do? Um, how would it, you know what I mean? Is it realistic, the idea? And what would it allow us as yeah, well? Once, yeah. once we did achieve this, what would life be like? Yeah, great question. So I, I'd frame UBI as a pragmatic utopian reform, right? Because it Which has means, uh... it has both elements, right? Yeah. Pragmatic in the sense that it's addressing pressing material needs to do with poverty or getting caught up with an annoying bureaucracy or reducing inequality, etc. But it's also utopian in that, as Kurt was saying, it is a bit unreasonable, it seems, in contemporary sort of political and economic circumstances, right? But so were a whole lot of things we take for granted today, right? So mm-hmm. were, you know, universal right to vote or the age pension or the minimum wage, etc., etc. So a lot of things that were utopian 100 years ago are just things we accept as everyday today. So in terms of the nitty-gritty mm-hmm. of could Australia actually afford a universal yeah. basic income, it really depends on the model. Okay, because if, for example, you are paying all adult Australians um, $15,000 a year, which is not a lot, it's about the same as New Start, right? That would be 20 million people, so $300 billion. Mm -hmm. It is a hell of a lot of money. The federal budget is $470 billion. So you need to move, um, obviously, you net out a few other expenses, like, you know, you don't pay people New Start twice, etc. But you would need to increase Australia's tax to GDP ratio. Uh, We pay a low level of tax, despite what all the politicians go on about. It's actually a low level of tax. You'd have to move it up to the kind of Scandinavian or French levels of tax to be able to afford that, the most progressive or radical model of UBI. Now, so that, to a lot of politicians, uh, including the Labor uh, Opposition Treasury Secretary uh, spokesperson, it sounds completely ridiculous. It's not a very popular Mm -hmm. idea to put forward, is it? Come election time is increasing. No, uh, (laughs) it's difficult to increase spending on like childcare or, you know, primary school spending or school spending by like two billion a year. So if we're talking about increasing between 100 or 200 or 300 billion a year, it seems very unrealistic in the short term. And it is. No one is going to introduce it in the next two or three years. Now, that's why I brought up that tax credit model, because Mm. that's this other idea of you're setting a floor beneath which no one can fall. And you only get paid this money if your income does fall below that that floor. Now, I'm working with economists from ANU and Macquarie Uni to cost this type of basic income, but that would be radically less. And so coming back to that, that original question from Kurt, is it possible? Yes, some level of universal basic income in Australia is entirely possible. And that would sort of be a starting point. 
yeah, could be increased from. Exactly. And you, you could start off by paying it. You know, the idea is you should pay to everybody. That's its radical potential, uh, you know, particularly people of working age. But you could start off with, say, a youth basic income, paying people from 18 to 25 that negative income tax and maybe combining that with a universal age pension, right, and then phasing in the full system over time. Yeah. And so what are some of the impacts on overall quality of life and also the way that we approach work on a basic income? Well, it really does challenge what we understand as work and the work ethic, the central role of the work ethic in capitalist society, right? Because you are getting a bit of a redistribution of wealth in the form of money to people who do different types of work, which might be, say, looking after kids, looking after aging parents or doing voluntary work or pursuing artistic projects or all sorts of um, types of work that are undervalued in contemporary capitalism. So it could be really good for artists. There are definitely very strong feminist arguments because we all know women disproportionately do uh, a higher share of that caring work, uh, which is not very highly valued in our society. So there's a redistribution of value from maybe over-remunerated, overpaid types of work to underpaid types of work. Yeah. And look, I've also read, I guess, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of, you know, on this segment, community solar initiatives, community gardens, like a whole bunch of sort of community initiatives around, you know, environmental improvement in cities. And again, I've seen at least the kind of environmental argument that it would free up time for people to participate in that kind of stuff a bit more as well. Is that something that you think is, again, part of this that could work or... you? got a bit more of a furrowed brow when we when we bring up that kind of idea not really i do i do agree with that in terms of being able to experiment with different modes of living like why do a lot of communes collapse right or intentional communities or whatever they're called today right in the 60s or 70s not just the personal politics and all that sort of stuff but the material resources to keep that Mm -hmm. type of um community going so if you know you have income security of whatever that amount is 15 20,000 um, uh, a year, mm-hmm. a, a few hundred bucks a week, you could keep those experiments in different modes of living going much more easily than you can in our society as it's constructed today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, is it starting, you know, we've talked about the Swiss and the Finnish, etc. Like, is there anybody in Australia in mainstream politics that is starting to tinker around with this idea in any form and talk about it? Like, is, you know what I mean? Is there anybody in the labour movement, for example, starting to talk about it here or is yeah. it still... and in what end of politics does this idea fit yeah. into? Again, that depends on the model in terms okay. of where it fits because some libertarians like it. So right-wingers like it, the idea that you'd abolish the welfare state and just give people a cash payment, which is not a very progressive mm. idea. Mm. So it tends to be... Centre-left parties, I suppose some radical socialist parties, some Greens parties, coming back to the specific situation in Australia. Mm. Yeah, the Greens Institute, which is like the think tank for the Greens Party, Mm -hmm. put out a big discussion paper on UBI. Richard Di Natale has given a talk where he said we need a new conversation about work, including UBI. Um, I know there are people in the Labor Party, there are Labor branches that have passed motions in support of UBI. At the very top of the Labor Party, so the economic heavyweights, Andrew Lee, economist from ANU, and Chris Bowen, they've slammed it, right? They've slammed it partially because of those high fiscal costs that mm-hmm. you talked about it, and partially, I've got to say, I'm going to have a dig at them. I don't think they fully understand 
the negative income tax models, so I might have to take that up uh, with them at some point. Um, but yeah, in terms of where we were in Australia, uh, you know, two or three years ago when no one was talking about it, now everyone seems to have to have an opinion about UBI, whether they're for it or against it. Oh, cool. Yep. We've just had a quick text uh, question in. Um, Tom from Wollongong's just asked, what would the economic impacts be on inflation? That is a very good question. And it's very hard to give any kind of definitive answer because we've never had a nationwide implementation of a UBI. Trials won't give you any indicator in terms of inflation. The only um, basic income that exists in the world is in Alaska, which is paid as a social dividend out of the oil revenues. So, you know, the effects on inflation could be extremely bad or not too bad. You know, it depends on broader, this is getting maybe a bit technical, but macroeconomic circumstances. Because at the moment, we have a whole lot of people who are paid for doing nothing. Right, we give people money for the old age pension. We have bludging school children who just go to school and they don't do anything, and we pay them. And uh, we pay unemployed people at the moment. But and we don't have any inflation in Australia. That's completely under control. But we we are talking about giving a lot more unconditional income, so increasing the size of the transfer um, budget, so the amount of money that's transferred to people unconditionally, and the impact of that on inflation is uncertain. And it's something that an institution like the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, would have to monitor and take steps to control. And I was just going to say, so for you know Tom out there and anybody else who wants to get into a bit more detail on this, Troy uh, and Frank Stilwell and a couple of others have got some articles in the next issue of Australian Options, right, about this idea, thinking about its pros and cons and it's how it would work. So check so it out. So Australian Options, that's a publication. Yeah. yeah, also a really good website, basicincome.org. That's the best international website that people can look at for all sorts of articles about basic income. I'm sure for the listener, this has opened up lots more questions. So, um, Troy Henderson, we thank you so much for coming in and just even chatting briefly on, on what our down-to-earth time allows on this one. Um, Kurt, thanks for finding him. Yeah. This was produced by FBI Radio in Sydney, fbiradio.com. 